This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 410. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 410. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Sessa Miotovich is a badass life coach and the host of the Truth and Dare Cancer Podcast. She focuses on helping women going through or living with cancer learn how to navigate their cancer journey alongside family and career, how to supercharge their self-healing, and how to recalibrate their lives by using cancer as a powerful catalyst for change. She's had her own battle with the big C, and it became a potent agent for positive change in her life. And now she helps other women use their diagnosis as an opportunity to transform their lives for the better. Prior to becoming a life coach, Sessa was in numerous leadership roles at Fortune 50 companies, as well as startups. She's the founder of the Truth and Dare Cancer Coaching Practice, where she helps women with cancer take charge of their health, their body, and their outcomes. I know Sessa through a mastermind that we were in together. She is a gem of a lady. I adore her. She is strong and powerful and also gentle and soft in all the right ways. So I'm very, very excited to have her here. Listen in to hear Sessa share her road through infertility and how she decided to stop pursuing motherhood, how she moved on and got closure on her motherhood dreams, why her diagnosis of uterine cancer brought her peace, 
how she helps women find truth and strength and grace during cancer. Why women with cancer need massive mindset coaching after diagnosis and through cancer treatment. How emotional healing parallels physical healing. Why cancer is full of misery and magic. And lastly, the power of receiving. This is going to be a really special episode, and I hope that if you have ever gone through cancer treatment, if you are currently living with cancer or you know anyone else who's living with cancer, I hope that you will share this episode. This is something that I know impacts so many lives, so many women, so many families, and the more we can make people feel less isolated and less alone and more connected during really hard times like this, the more we can bring power and joy to those who might be struggling and suffering. So with all that said, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Sessa. Sessa, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here. So I'm going to give our listeners a little bit of background. Sessa and I know each other because we were in a business coaching group together. And so we've gotten to spend lots of time together brainstorming business stuff. But today we get to talk about personal stuff, which is a special treat. For sure. And I think it's always interesting to see how those dynamics relate and meet people from a like different perspective. Yeah, right? definitely to see people through a different lens rather than just the roles that we see them in and the roles we see them performing in, in their lives. For sure. For sure. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Well, I'm definitely super excited about my work in the world and I'm running my life coaching practice and helping women with cancer reach their highest healing potential. I help them with their mindset, how to embrace fear, process their emotions, deal with grief, establish healthy boundaries and all these different areas of life that need to be handled when setting good intentions for healing and really overcoming something dramatic like going through a cancer journey. So Sessa, I have to acknowledge like the elephant in the room because you're not a mom and you're on the Shameless Mom Academy podcast, but I know you would very much like to be a mom. And there's this dramatic and traumatic turn that your life took at a time when you hoped to be building a family a while back. So can you share about that story, share what happened and where that began and where you're at now? Sure. You know, I would like to begin with a small clarification to say that I very much wanted to be a mom, and that's now part of my past, but I'm more than happy to elaborate on the long journey that I was on, right? Please do. So since my late 30s, I was going through infertility treatments, like, uh, and most women who are listening to this podcast know what we are talking about, like IUIs, IVFs, natural IVFs, assisted IVFs, you name it. And throughout that journey, embryos seemed to be very healthy and strong. And according to my doctor, things were going really well. But unfortunately, they never implanted into the lining of the uterus. So essentially, they never took, if you know what I mean. So this really lasted for over three years. And during that time period, my relationship also fell apart. So I went through the breakup. I also started working with donors and there was really no positive outcome at all. And then after that, I spent two more years uh, fostering kids in a DC area. And I was also looking to adopt as a single woman. 
And really the whole experience of infertility and getting pregnant and getting to be a mother took over five years in some you know, format or the other. And by my 43rd birthday, I decided that I really need to close that chapter of my life. I was open to dating a man who had children or stumbling across a child who was ready for adoption, right? But I decided that consciously I needed to close that chapter and felt like I needed to move my life forward because for half decade, I couldn't make any other decisions about my life because mm. decisions that we make with a child and without a child are very different. Yeah. I want to, can I ask a question about that process? So yes. you were going through the first few years of that, it sounds like you were with a partner and then you were doing a lot of it without a partner. What was the difference between those two scenarios? Because that sounds like so much to, so many decisions to make on your own. I know that having gone through infertility, it was a lot of decisions to make in a partnership, but I feel like that would have been very different to be making all those decisions on my own. Yes, it was very difficult and it felt alone and lonely in many yeah. ways and the the main uh, hurdle really to overcome in that process and why I only did it for a short period of time is I couldn't that I could not overcome the fact that I was consciously and this is only true for me. I want to qualify that because I don't want to pass any judgment of women who have, you know, who have had children in this fashion. So mm -hmm. I just want to qualify that. For me, I could not consciously take away half of my child's family. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was not as painful to go through it. it. It was painful, but not as painful to go through it alone. But knowing that. I would bring this child in the world because this is what I wanted and they would not have their father and they would not have not only their father, but they would not have their paternal grandparents. They would mm. not have that whole side of family mm. was, uh, was, was really sad to me. Like I felt that I was doing something that was selfish, that I was not putting the child first, that I was putting my own needs first. And that's really what helped me made a transition to adoption. Because for me, for the adoption, if the child already doesn't have either parent who gave them birth, even as a single woman, I would be like adding, right? I would be that plus one who would be helping that child in their, you know, grow up versus bring a child to the world with one parent. Okay. Okay. And you said that you, after having gone through all this for about five years, you decided that you needed to close the door on that. Was there a specific event that happened or was it just that it, the time, and I know this from going through some of this myself, is that it's so exhausting and draining. Did you just get to a point of exhaustion or was there a reason that you decided like we need to be, I need to be done? It was exhaustion mostly. And also the fact that I was already 43 mm -hmm. and in my mind, I did not want to be 50 and have a five-year-old because I again felt that that was not in some ways, again, just for me, uh, fair to a child. Mm -hmm. Again, I would be pushing my own agenda versus let 
this child have, you know, a parent who can run through the woods with them, you know, who can do all these things that we envision doing with small children, right? And I didn't want to be in my 50s and not being able to provide that for the kid. Yeah, yeah. So you ended up stopping that pursuit and tell us what happened after that. So it took about a few months really of really intense grief. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go through all the five stages of grief process. And really, I allowed myself to emotionally embrace the realization that the motherhood was not directly in my cards. And after that, things started shifting because I was very intentional about creating a life without a child, without being a mother, because it's interesting how everything has two or more sides to it, right? The whole duality. So then I was like, I'm going to embrace the fact that I don't have a child. So I need to build a life outside of a social norm and play on those benefits. So I was, I'm able to freely travel, you know, I can sleep in on weekends, I can live in different places. And that's what I'm doing, right? I don't have to worry about a school district or committing to a neighborhood for a decade, because you know, you don't want to change schools, or you don't want to change friends for your child, and you don't have to make decisions based on this child's needs. So when you create your life in the context of that a new reality that really helps you move on, right? Mm-hmm. And see how you can use your gifts and how you can leave the legacy outside of your immediate family, right? This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. And now here is the kicker, right? So to go back to infertility story, I really moved on and felt that I had closure that I needed, right, to to make the shift. It took a minute, right? I did not push myself and I did not, you know, ignore my feelings. But here's the kicker. Within two years of me closing the infertility chapter, I got diagnosed with uterine cancer. And that was the point in time that where I got absolute closure because I was sitting in my oncologist's office and, you know, he was explaining the pros and cons of my, of my particular cancer, which was slow growing. Right. So the, the, the good news is it didn't have a chance to spread because it was slow growing. The bad news is that because it was four centimeters large, that, he said it took probably eight to 10 years for it to grow to that size without knowing it could have been, you know, four or five, but sometimes it can be, he said, up eight, uh, eight to 10 years. And at that moment, the time slowed down and I was just kind of extremely calm and peaceful to the point where he even reacted to it. He was like, uh, you're not upset. And I was like, no, I just got the closure on my infertility, which means that mm. I probably already had this, the cancer cells in my uterus. And this is why the embryos never took. And at that moment, I got complete closure. I was not even upset because it was the truth. I was like, now I truly know why. Yeah, it all makes sense. Yes, because you know you're like, what am I doing wrong? What can I do right. differently? Like, <laughs> right, you're, right. When you're going through the infertility, you're just thinking like, what can I, What else can I do to contribute to this cause, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it was a really an eye-opening experience. Uh, so I, I had another wave, right? When going through cancer, you face your mortality. So it's a, com- it's a completely different intensity of infertility. Nevertheless, through it, 
I had like a wave of grief around the child and I was like, oh, wow, this is why it happened. But it was very peaceful and very telling. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting to have... I, I, I can see why that doctor would be kind of blown away by your response. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to, but to have like one, what most people classify as a pretty, you know, horrifying diagnosis and really traumatic diagnosis, to have that be the answer to something else and then have peace around that because it puts pieces of the puzzle together and things make sense. And that's such a fascinating perspective because I don't think most of us would think like, oh, I got this cancer diagnosis and it brought me peace or answers around anything. <laughs> but, but in your situation, it did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, it's really it's fascinating. And I think that lots of dramatic things that we do experience in life, if we look deep enough, we can find meaning. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know your diagnosis and your treatment changed your life journey in many ways, and it also changed your professional journey. Can you talk about how you changed on a professional level um, and how did you decide to work with women going through or living with cancer based on your, because of your diagnosis? Sure. You know, as an applied mathematician, I mean, and, and like math and nerd lover, right? <laughs> And former executive, like life coaching is very different from being a consulting partner. <laughs> a little <you> bit know. <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, just a little tiny different from, you know, being a <clears throat> consulting partner in a large software company and working um, on Fortune 100 companies business and technology strategy, right? And oh plus gosh. all the travel and long hours and corporate politics and... On the other hand, there are some things that are similar. What I liked most about my previous career is being part of this massive transformations, right? The project sizes, uh, size of the projects that we were working on were well, in, well into eight figures, right? And seeing the businesses completely evolve and change and seeing the customer experience that in, improved so dramatically was really always an exciting part of my corporate career. And these projects usually lasted, you know, two to four years. So you really got to see the depth of like ins and outs of what can go right and what can go wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I witness the same in my clients in their personal lives. And it's actually exponentially more gratifying. And the other constant between the two, vastly different professional experiences I'm having is that I tremendously enjoyed working with clients, even with corporate clients. And I really liked working with them. And I love my coaching clients. Like it's just an amazing experience to be able to serve and to be able to be that support and light to enable people to find their own truth out of which lasting change grows and to see them make those shifts and grow from their own personal experience. So to answer the second part of your question in terms of how did I make this switch, see my education and nor my corporate experience and expertise, neither one prepared me for my cancer journey. And as soon as I was diagnosed, I went straight to coaching myself through it. And that's where I found my truth, my strength, my grace. And coaching myself through my own cancer crisis saved my life. There is no other way to put it. 
So halfway through my cancer journey, which was pretty dramatic with a couple of significant complications that I had, I gained this absolute clarity that this is what I'm meant to be doing. I mean, I could be doing gazillion other things, but this is what I'm meant to be doing. What has it felt like to totally change gears and use your mind in such a different way and to be and to be of support in such a vulnerable time in someone's life. I'm curious, like, is that, I'm assuming it's life-giving to you. Is it challenging for you? Is it triggering for you? Um, what does that feel like? It's a great question. So five years before I was diagnosed, I was, I transitioned into life coaching and I was running my coaching practice okay. uh, alongside my corporate career. Okay. And I was coaching clients on transitioning from corporate jobs into their, what I called soul's occupation, right? And that was my work. And then during the, uh, during my, my cancer journey, I shifted and pivoted to just work with women with cancer. And I love that you asked that question because it's a very complex experience for me. And from a, on a personal level, it is, I feel like I'm hitting, like I'm having the, what, what is known, right. as an upper limit problem, which is emotionally. So people use, use it a lot, a lot of, lots of time in financial terms or in breakthroughs in terms of their business flourishing. For me, it's in my inner world. And that is that I picked the most vulnerable part of me mm-hmm. to become my calling. Mm-hmm. So it is both inspiring, super inspiring and super scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to go all in emotionally, right? And to dig deep and to uncover all of the direct and indirect contributors to my own disease and to hold light and space for other women to do the same. Right. You talked about coaching yourself through your diagnosis and through your recovery. And I'm curious, I'm guessing that most, a lot of women wouldn't think to work with a coach during cancer treatment, but it makes sense in my mind and in yours, why this would actually be really, really valuable. Why do you think this is actually an ideal time for women to have some sort of life coach or as part of their treatment team? Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to try to be concise, but, <laughs> but essentially in today's modern society and in Western medicine, the mastering the mind of the mindset, emotional intelligence, and the mind-body connection are vastly undervalued when it comes to healing. Changing your self-critical thoughts and overcoming your fear and your overcoming your disease is possible. And it all starts in your mind and in your heart. And I always say healing is the inside job that starts with you. Because the more you're present, the more you're able to receive treatments and actually enable your body to self-regulate and heal, the better off you will be through the entire journey. So overcoming limiting beliefs, embracing fear, you know, emotion processing, setting boundaries, understanding your deeply rooted dis-ease and discomfort is what needs to be addressed because they play a key role in healing and well-being. And let's face it, I say this, cancer is the effect, not a cause. Mm, Explain that. Well, 
if we take responsibility for our lives, and of course, it's a very complex disease, and I'm not going to even pretend that I'm going to sit here and break it down for us, right? But if we look deeply into our lives, into ourselves, into our ancestors and patterns in our family system, we can find many contributors to our disease and We are also empowered to address those contributors. And that's where life coaching comes in because of all the areas I just talked about. And then there is no better time to do this work than when you're actually going through your cancer journey. And this is really after the initial surgeries and treatments is when the deep healing actually begins. Mm. And when do you typically work with women? I'm imagining there's a spectrum, but is there like a time that you find it most valuable to be working with a woman or most transformational? Is there a certain spot on the journey that is the most beneficial? Great question. Yes. So the best time to involve a coach is after that initial wave of surgeries and treatment, because in during that period, we are in that fight-flight state because you're just getting, you know, drinking from the fire hose in terms of understanding your diagnosis, uh, researching treatments, and then choosing your doctors, uh, choosing the recommendations of those treatments, learning, you know, building your medical team. So, you're at this high alert and you still don't have time to like fall apart because you have to like keep your so many decisions together. Yeah. Making so many decisions. And also everything is moving rapidly. And of course, if you have the fast spreading cancer, then you like even like uh, more like under more pressure to make decisions and to make it happen. And sometimes you have to have two or three surgeries. You have to have chemo before surgery, chemo after radiation, you know, immune therapy. So, after that first wave ends, and then you may have to have, you know, more chemo treatments, more radiation, and more of other treatments, that's when that surgery ends. I mean, you are like physically safe, and you literally just survived the surgery. If you just mm-hmm. imagine like the war battle, you just survived, you just came back from the field. Mm-hmm. That's when emotions kick in, right? Yeah. That's when you can start feeling anxiety, depression, unknown, fear. And that's when you need to work with a coach to really guide you through all those emotions and put you on a path of healing. Because if you don't, you just get stuck, consumed and overwhelmed emotionally. So your whole body contracts and even the treatments that you're receiving will not take an effect that they could have on your body if you emotionally start opening yourself up to it and if you create, you know, if you address the resistance in your body and you start creating flow in your body so that you can receive the treatments and move forward. Yeah, that was actually, you just touched on my next question. I was going to ask about the parallel between emotional healing and physical healing. And it sounds like you think there's a, a strong connection there. There is a... Uh, I don't even say it's like a strong connection. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. That's how alike it is, meaning you cannot have one without the other. Mm -hmm. If you want to heal your body, you have to heal your life Mm -hmm. because your body will manifest (laughs) what needs to be healed in your life. Yeah. 
How do you suggest that we talk to friends and family who've been diagnosed? And I'll I'll preface this with, I feel like I've gotten to a age and stage in life where there's more and more people um, who around me who are, who have had diagnoses, who are in treatment, who are, you know, recovering from a, from treatment. Um, Some are coming up on like a one-year anniversary or a five-year anniversary. And so how can we talk to family members and friends who have been diagnosed or even recently diagnosed? Great question. And I would maybe say first how not to. Yeah, that was my next question. So yeah, start with that. (laughs) What do we not say? Yeah. So I would say I would recommend really not commenting on the appearances, good or bad, because they really don't matter. And I think that when we start commenting on appearances, we are diminishing the existence of that person, right? So even if you're, you're saying, telling somebody, oh, you lost weight, oh, you look so skinny, oh, you look good, you, you mm-hmm. don't look sick. Like none of that matters. And it none actually of it's helpful. <laughs> because no, not at all, because it just shuts that person down because- yeah. When you are so sick, I mean, you're that sick, you really don't care what you look like or don't look like. Like you're literally on a survival path. And then also, I, I would tell you, in my case, people always thought like, I looked great. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter. Like, who cares yeah. that I look great? You know, it like, almost discredits what you're going through if everyone yes, it discredits says my feeling. They go, oh, but you look good. But it, that doesn't matter. I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, why is that a good thing? But I just say it shuts down the conversation more importantly. It's not really about aesthetics, but instead, to answer your question more directly, is really being authentic. Because lots of times, people who have never experienced cancer, people don't know what to say. Right? right? So I would say in that situation, you can just say, I'm sorry for what you're going through. And I don't know what to say. Like be authentic, right? And the minute you say that, you're having a being to being conversation. So then you say, you know, how can I help? And how can I best support you? And involve that other person in the dialogue. Because what uh, works for me, like what, what what I would want you to say to me, maybe be something else. Uh, somebody else needs something else. But if you just ask them openly, how can I help or how can I best support you? They may even just unleash and give you an earful because maybe they just need you to listen yeah. that day. Yeah. Or maybe they need you to run an errand or maybe they just need you to sit there in silence. Like, But there is no way you can guess what they need because they may not even know what they need until you ask them. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over 1 million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder, so if you are a heavy shedder or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. What would you say if someone is being distant and pulling away or maybe being isolative, um, do you honor that person's space or do you show up on their doorstep? Well, I would say somewhere in between. Yeah. I would say definitely be aware that they are retreating, but find a way to occasionally reach out. So, um, you know, if you're reaching out via text and they're not responding, then you may try to send them an email, like, like stop doing what's not working and then try one step removed, right? You can send them an email. If they're not responding to an email, that's fine. Don't send them any more emails. Yeah. Maybe you send them just a card mm-hmm. in mail. Yeah. Maybe talk to a family member, their family member or a friend and find out what kind of support they would like. And maybe it's, you know, sending them a gift card to Whole Foods or to a restaurant nearby. And always say, hey, I'm here if you need me. I want to give you privacy and space, but just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. So there are many you know, degrees and levels of how we can let people know that we care and still give them space. Yeah. I actually had the opportunity to hear two different people talk about this recently, and they're kind of different takes on it. And one was saying, like, I love getting all the messages and I don't have the in me to like reply to everyone, but I, it feels good. Like I feel the love and the support and that, and that 
that's healing to me. And someone else was saying, she's like, my personality type is like, if I am grieving or angry or like needing to process something, I just need space. And it just, it it annoys me if people are like on top of me and trying to get in my space. So it's one thing to like send messages or whatever, but she said that she had like people showing up uninvited and it was, she's like, it destroyed relationships because I needed people to honor my space. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally agree with you about finding that happy medium and finding ways to let people know that you're supporting them without pushing through. Yeah. Without dishonoring their, their boundaries for sure. Yes. Yes. And you know, everybody's going to respond to it differently. And what I teach, so that's for the, you know, the caregivers, but what I teach also my community along those lines is that, you have to have a communication plan and Mm. a communication plan has who are you going to communicate? What, to what extent you're going to communicate to them and what's medium that you're going to use. You decide you as a cancer patient decide and you publish that and you don't care if people like it or don't like it. And that's where you define I want home visits. I don't want home visits. You know, mm-hmm. I want, I want right. phone calls. You know, you call me, I'll call you. Like you really decide because otherwise it will create so much chaos in terms of how you communicate and what's being communicated about your health, your well-being, your emotional state and all of those things. And that everything is, and that's really intimate. It's a very intimate experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about assumptions and you and I talked a little bit about this in our pre-interview, but I would love to talk about assumptions. You would like to invite people to stop making, and but assumptions that people, that people, women make around fertility, infertility, cancer, women's bodies, women's choices. Um, and I know that you have, and I have, well, we both have the um, experience of being able to speak through this through the lens of infertility. But what would you like to say about people asking questions or making assumptions on other people's lives and choices and experiences? I'll just say we as a society need to stop projecting. Mm. Meaning our opinions and our beliefs and our assumptions, we need to keep and make assumptions only about ourselves because we only know our own situations. So I say that because you never know what somebody else is going through. You know, when I was going through infertility, I was in this, you know, high paying, high executive job. And most of the people, for first of all, it's a male dominated industry, but most people assume that I did not want to have family and being in a corporate environment, I never wanted to discuss my personal relationships and being a woman, nor obviously, nor infertility, especially with men. Like, what is there to discuss? Like, what am I going to say in the meetings? I'm talking about golf, and I'm going to say, oh, you know, I'm doing shots every night, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> different, you know, different shots. Right, right, right. <laughs> and there, is this, there was this huge assumption that I never wanted to have children, and I never wanted to have family, and even, you know, comments around it. So I would just say... If you're about to make an assumption, instead of assuming, just asking a question, you know, it it goes back to talking about the diagnosis. When we say authentically how we feel and we invite other person into conversation, then we create a being to being experience. And then you don't need to make an assumption because the other person will either let you in and let you know, or will tell you that 
they don't want to partake in that conversation. And we have to honor that versus making an assumption about children, no children, or Mm. if somebody is sick, how sick they are and what they're going through and are they dealing with mortality? You know, are they going to live for two years or four years? And you will be amazed with questions that people ask you or uh, uh, things that people assume. And it's really like, if I were not a life coach, like if I didn't have the tools, I think that I would have been crushed (laughs) 90% of the time. And that is why I say like life coaching, like a self coaching myself really saved my life. I just have to like say that like hundred percent, that's my truth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, speaks highly of the power of coaching (laughs) during, during those really critical times when you're facing things like massive grief and mortality and illness and, and all of that. Can you talk about some of the gifts I would imagine? And I talk about this as it relates to infertility, like the gifts of infertility, which people might think sounds weird. And so can you talk about some of the gifts of your experience going through cancer and going through something so traumatic and how your life is now better because of it? Of course, you know, I just recently wrote a blog that was titled cancer is the best and worst part of my life. Mm, Oh my gosh, I (laughs) love it. (laughs) Talks about that, you know, misery and magic coming together. Yeah. Yeah. But the the first thing I would say is I'm no longer that superwoman, right? With those huge responsibilities and a high stress job flying around, you know, North America and Europe. And I can only do a fraction of what I uh, could do before, you know? But the flip side of that is that I'm so grateful that I get to do this kind of work of helping women heal themselves from cancer. I mean, and I might be physically capable to do only a fraction of the work I could do before, but the work I was doing before was only a fraction fulfilling. Mm, That's really powerful. So, I mean, let that sink in, right? I can only do a fraction, but it's not how much you're doing, it's what you're doing and what it means to you, right? Yeah. The other gift is this unshakable clarity, okay? No more veils of illusions on anything. Like you see people differently, you see your own personal relationships differently, and mainly you gain that sense that the most important relationship you'll ever have is the relationship with yourself. And you gain that understanding that all other relationships and all experiences that you have in your life stem from that. Yeah. It's a big understanding, you know, to break in the practical terms, but it's really an important one because you finally start valuing yourself like 100%. And I don't mean in the ego sense. I know. I think I I think that makes a lot of sense. And I wish we could get to that. I wish that there's were opportunities for women to get to that place without having to go through something traumatic. But I think that it often does take something traumatic. Yes, as as a catalyst for transformation and for the change, you know, and that's where magic comes from. Because when we have that realization, we really bring that to everything we do, you know, and everything we experience. And as a result, our relationships are better. Our life experience is better. And we 
stay away from perfection and we have we find meaning essentially in everything. And I, I would say the third thing would be, you know, I was really good at time management and prioritization, but it was on time and action level. And now I became a master at prioritizing from that lens of self-worth. Mm, so yeah. I prioritize everything based on now on feelings. <laughs> yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. Right. And my deeper why, like I'm no longer prioritizing externally, if you would. Right. But I'm part and, and there's no more checklist because I can only do three things. You know, I cannot do 20 things. So now it's all about the deeper why. It's all about what's important and what should have what I should have always valued as most important. Yeah. Versus spread my energy to gazillion things. That makes a lot of sense. Especially for your audience, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Especially in motherhood, we get so consumed by not all silly things, but sometimes by a lot of silly things. And yeah, I think that it absolutely sometimes takes these really big moments and traumatic moments for us to be like, oh, wait, like I'm focusing on the wrong things and using valuable energy toward the wrong things. Yes. Can you, anything else you want to share with the Shameless Mom audience before you share where we can find you anything any parts of your message we might have left out yes i would like to share some messages for this audience number one thing is that the personal development and inner work you do on yourself is the most important work you can do for yourself for your family and for your community and by helping yourself in this you also help others And I'd like to talk about three things that I believe, Sarah, your audience will most benefit from if we have time. I would say the first thing is the practice of receiving. And from my experience, most women with cancer have a hard time with receiving love, receiving help, asking for assistance. There is this underlying feeling that they or we, I can put myself in that category, that we don't deserve. So I would really invite all women, and I do this in my community, to notice how you even handle when people give you compliments and really work on receiving, energetically receiving help, receiving love, receiving compliments. So that would be one thing. The second thing I would say Start examining where in your life are you dealing with what I call cancer as a concept. I'm currently working on this topic for a new episode on my Truth and Dare Cancer podcast. And what I mean by that is look for um, relationships in your family system or relationships with your friends or in your working environment. If there is something or someone that's toxic and stubborn and invasive, like cancer, right? Mm-hmm. It's causing you a great deal of emotional stress and discomfort. And you know, you don't have to have cancer in your body, but you can also experience it externally in your environment. And I would really invite every listener to closely examine that side and start making small daily shifts to resolve that because that will eliminate resistance and that will really help with really overall well-being and and your health regardless of where you are on a spectrum from you know in your health and the third thing would be 
looking at like in more general terms, examining how you feel every day and understanding where which area needs an improvement because whatever area needs work now, if you ever experience something dramatic, it doesn't have to be cancer, that area will amplify. In other words, if you have tendency to be depressed, you'll get exponentially more depressed. If your MO is anxiety, you'll uh, exponentially get more anxiety. If you are, if you, if it's sadness and thoughts of retreating, like you'll become almost suicidal. Meaning, these areas will amplify, and this is why it's important. And this is why I love Sarah. What you do is to proactively work on that self development and focus on the areas in your life today that may need shifts and changes that will really create that mind and and emotional balance, right? And create a flow in your body. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Oh, these are good. This has been so helpful, Sessa. And I know that there's going to be people who listen to this who are going to be able to feel like they can better support friends and family who are impacted by cancer. And I know there's going to be women listening to this who are currently impacted themselves by cancer diagnosis or treatment, and that this is going to be really helpful and healing for them. So I'm so grateful for your time. Can you tell people where they can find you and connect with you? Thanks so much, Sarah. The best way is to listen to my Truth and Dare Cancer podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play, as well as connect with me on my Facebook page or Instagram. And the handle is at Truth and Dare Cancer. And of course, the website is available under the same name. Awesome. And we will have that all linked up in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com. Sessa, thank you for being here and thank you for sharing yourself so openly. I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 